This is the How Did You Get Into That Podcast with Grant Baldwin, Episode 4. Welcome to the How Did You Get Into That Podcast. Each week, we want to bring you an inspiring interview or encouraging message to help you find and do work you love. Now, here's your host, Grant Baldwin. Hey, what's up? Welcome to another episode of How Did You Get Into That? My name is Grant Baldwin, and uh, honored, stoked, privileged, and pleased that you decided to hang out with us today. Wherever you may be in the world, whatever it is that's going on in your life, uh, I'm just honored that you decided to uh, spend part of your day with us. Today, we have a, a great, great interview for you. Super stoked to share it with you. We're hanging out with my friend Sophie Schlesinger. Now, Sophie is a cheesemonger. I'm going to give you a second to just ponder that and chew on that, pun intended. A cheesemonger, I wasn't entirely clear what this was either, so I'll give you the quick nutshell, but but a cheesemonger is basically someone who is an expert in all things cheese. Like They are literally the cheese whiz. So it's just a fascinating story about how Sophie got into this. I think you're really going to dig it. A couple things I'm super stoked about from this her story is you'll hear really like how resilient and aggressive she has been in not only figuring out what she wanted to do with her life, but then what she needed to do to make it happen. And I think that's so, so pivotal and so, so critical and important for us that we realize not only what it, that we figure out not only what it is that we want to do, but then we, we take massive action. We're super aggressive in going out and, and figuring out how to actually make that dream a reality. So uh, super excited to share her story with you today. She has a uh, a crazy story here where she goes from like having one of the highest highs of her life and of her career and like within the food industry, like earns this thing that's like a really, really big deal. And then less than three weeks later, getting a massive kick in the gut from life. So you're going to hear about that today. Also, uh, I want you to hear about how she's remained flexible in just pursuing various options and paths in life and just figuring out, you know, not only what it is that she wants to do, but again, how to to make that happen. I think that's a really a lesson that we can all pull from and learn from. So like I mentioned today, she's a cheesemonger, but already she'll, she'll say that she's kind of looking for some new opportunities and looking how she can continually grow and expand what it is that she's doing. So again, really, really good stuff today. So if you're someone who who not only is just interested in cheese, but even if you're someone who's interested or fascinated by the restaurant industry, she shares some different ideas and some different thoughts on uh, different places to find jobs within the, the restaurant, the food industry. And there's just a, I mean, if you're interested in the food industry, there's a lot of different directions and paths you can go with that. So Sophie will share some uh, some thoughts and ideas uh, on that today. Hey, as always, make sure that you check out the show notes at grantbaldwin.com slash Sophie Schlesinger, S-O-P-H-I-E, Sophie Schlesinger. S-L-E-S-I-N-G-E-R. So grantbaldwin.com slash Sophie Schlesinger. Make sure that you check that out. But without further delay, without further ado, here's Sophie. All right, today I'm hanging out with my new friend, Sophie Schlesinger, who is a a cheese whiz, really, is what she (laughs) is. So we're going to dive into her story. But uh, Sophie, how you doing today? Good. Thanks for having me on. You bet. All right. Cheese whiz. Your, I guess your technical title is a cheese monger. Now, when I hear that, I think myself and many people listening are like, what is that? Is that even a real thing? So tell us what exactly <laughs> a cheese monger is. What do you do? I get that a lot. So a cheese monger is basically someone who sells cheese. That's what we do. People who sell fish are called fishmongers. So same thing. So there's a cheese maker 
And then there's a cheesemonger. That's kind of the next step in the in the production line. So right. I sell cheese. Very cool. So <laughs> and obviously the question is, how did you get into that? Which we'll dive into throughout this whole talk. But yeah. what is that? I mean, as a cheesemonger, what does that look like on a day to day basis? Are you working for a restaurant or a company? Are you independent? Are you kind of a middleman? Or how does that play sure. out? So right now I'm working for a restaurant and a bit independently. So for the restaurant that I work at, it is, I'm kind of in a lucky position where it's a cheese restaurant. So it is a actually grilled cheese restaurant during the day. And then in the evening, it's a bar with a really nice cocktail wine beer list. And then we do cheese plates and some nice um, cheese focused smaller dishes. So I'm kind of the, the chef there in that sense, or the cook really is more like it, but kind of just crafting a menu all around cheese. And I'm constantly sourcing new cheeses, bringing in new stuff, training the staff about cheeses so that they can sell them to the customers. You know, usually when you walk up to a cheese counter, you're like, I have no idea what to get. So the cheesemonger really should be able to guide you like you're buying, you know, a nice bottle of wine. Um, you talk, might talk to a sommelier at a restaurant. So I'm just kind of there to, to guide the diner. And then I also used to work at a shop where I would basically, you know, help the shopper pick out whatever cheese they would need. That's crazy. So how do you learn about all these? Because I mean, I think for most of us, we're thinking, you know, we're going to go to the neighborhood market and there's just a handful of things that we know that we like. And beyond that, all the exotic type of random cheeses that exist in the world are just foreign to us. And like, we'd never try them or never think of it. So how do you learn about all the different cheeses that, that exist out there? I think the best thing to do is just to try new stuff all the time. I've certainly not had all of the cheeses. You know, there are thousands and thousands. I used to work for a company called Saxelby Cheesemongers in New York City, and um, they focus on American-made cheeses from the northeastern part of the country. So that was a really great way to kind of focus in. Um, and I was able to spend a lot of time trying the same stuff and learning all the nuances of new things coming out of Vermont and upstate New York, Massachusetts. So that's kind of my specialty. And then I had the opportunity to work for a short amount of time at a wonderful shop in uh, Massachusetts called Rubiner's. And Matthew Rubiner, the proprietor, is a real expert, not just in domestic cheese, but but international cheese. So I was able to spend a little bit of time tasting some imported stuff that I was a little more unfamiliar with. But yeah, for the normal cheese eater, I would say just get out there and, and try something new and you know talk to the person behind the counter. They're usually very happy to give you a taste of whatever you like. So that's, that's the best way to start. That's crazy though, because it's, I mean, it's one thing to be like, like you just say you're a cheesemonger and I was like, that's super niche in itself. But now you're yeah. like, I'm a cheesemonger with a specialty in like Northeastern U.S. <laughs> cheeses and like this. But I think that's super fascinating for so many people listening that it's like, I've got this random type of niche hobby thing that I'm interested in. It's super, super specific. And I don't even know that I could make a living from it. But here yeah. you are saying, no, no, I, if you need anything about New England cheese, I'm your girl. <laughs> it's like, are you kidding? You make a little, that's crazy. But obviously it's something that you found a lot of success in. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, I kind of just stumbled into cheese. I've always worked in food. And when I was thinking about how I wanted to work in food, I kind of started thinking about the supply chain. So starts with the grower, the farmer, the producer. So I went and worked on a farm and then um, I was interested in writing about food, but I was, you know, I didn't want to write about food if I hadn't worked in other aspects. So I went to work at a farmer's market and a shop and in a kitchen. And so I've kind of tried to gather all these experiences so that I, I had a nice background to pull from when I, you know, finally decide and 
10 years or so what I really want to focus on for the rest of my life. But yeah, just kind of fell into cheese. And what I really liked about that was um, you get to really work in, in all aspects of the food chain. So, you know, it starts with the dairy farmer, then it goes to the cheesemaker, then it goes to the cheesemonger, and then it goes to the restaurant or the shop. So I liked how it kind of traveled down that whole path and you could really get into it along, you know, any step of the way. That's wild. All right. So let's yeah. back up a little bit. Cause I mean, most little girls growing up aren't dreaming of becoming cheesemongers. You know, we're, <laughs> right. we're thinking about, thinking about becoming, I've got three little girls and so they're daydreaming about being princess and ballerina and these types of things. <laughs> so as a kid, were you always just fascinated by, maybe not necessarily cheese other than, you know, just some, like cheese slices or anything, but uh, are you just fascinated by food in general or where does that yeah, kind of come from? I'm, I mean, I've always been a very hearty eater. I think anyone can, can tell you I'm pretty, pretty good at eating. Um, <laughs> so it's and, either uh, I'm going to be a cheesemonger or a competitive eater. I don't, yeah. I don't really know which. <laughs> and my, my family is Sicilian. My, I'm half Sicilian. So, you know, food culture was kind of always all around me. I was always very interested in my family history. And um, a lot of that centered around my grandmother's cooking. So I, I wasn't really sure if I could work in food. I, I, I didn't know really how to do it because I never thought about being a chef and I didn't really want to be a chef. But my first job in food when I was, I guess, about 17 was working at a bakery. Um, and it was this really, really wonderful French bakery called Praline in uh, Maryland, right right outside D.C. And I just kind of realized all these other people that were working in food, but they weren't necessarily chefs or restaurant owners. So that kind of got me hooked on the idea that, that you could work in food. But yeah, I hadn't thought too much about it growing up. I, I knew I liked to eat and actually I was a, a ballet dancer also. So <laughs> I studied that in, in college as a, well. A ballet but, dancer that likes to eat. Yeah, I know. It doesn't go well together. <laughs> so you've always got like this, this uh, healthy fascination with food and knowing that you want to do something with it perhaps, but you said you, you went on to college. Was that kind of the track you were on? Was I want to, I want to do something with food. I just don't know what, or you think it's um, something different at that time? I think it, it kind of grew out of my studies a little bit. I, I was an anthropology major and I studied a lot of public health and nutrition and sustainable agriculture. So I, at first I thought I kind of wanted to do public health and the idea of nutrition was really interesting to me. And um, I thought I'd always, you know, want to go abroad. I was thinking for a little while about doing something like the Peace Corps, but then I, I had a really great professor in college who really stressed the importance of understanding your own place and, and challenges that are happening, you know, maybe down the street from you. So then I kind of got really into this idea of um, learning more about agriculture and in, in uh, the United States. And this was, I guess, 2007-ish. So this is right around the time that Michael Pollan's getting really big and right around the time that the word, the phrase sustainable agriculture is becoming really popular. So it's kind of swept up in that whole, that whole theme, I guess. And it just, it just grew from there in school. So part of it's just you're kind of right place, right time where this movement is really starting to build and grow. Yeah, and it's something yeah. you're, it's not just, hey, this is growing, so I should jump on this train, but it's also, you know, I'm interested in this. I'm, in, I'm in, intrigued by this. Yeah, it just really made sense to me. You know, not only do I love food and love learning about it and love sharing it with people, but the whole backstory behind it and, and the idea of, you know, either making something or selling something that will help a farmer really 
rung true to me. It sounds like your challenge was never necessarily that knowing what niche or, or space you wanted to be a part of. You wanted to do something with food. It's just more kind of figuring out how does that translate? What does that look like? Because obviously you could do, like even as you alluded to, you know, you could work on a farm, you could be in a farmer's market, you could be in a kitchen, you could be a chef, you could be a sous chef, or you could be yeah. a buyer, you could be a, a sourcer, you could do all of these different things. You just kind of honed in on, I know I want to do something with food, just don't know what it looks like though. Yeah. And I think I was, you know, I was really open to that too. And I still am, you know, I, if I had thought about even a year ago that I'd be doing this today, I would have been like, no way, that's crazy. So I've always been very receptive to, you know, talking to a lot of people, never having just one job and um, just kind of going what the right thing at the right time seems to be. Because, you know, looking back to me, I see a linear path, but if I wrote it out on paper, it'd be like all over the place. <laughs> it's a big doodle. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so whenever you're you're starting to kind of hone in on something with food, but not really sure what it is, what, what are some of the first steps you take? Is it basically, I'm just going to start throwing stuff against the wall and seeing what sticks and what I like? Or it sounds like you tried a few different things. What were things that you tried? What were things that you liked about some of those things that you tried along the way? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I I actually I got two really good pieces of advice right around the time I left school that I still follow to this day and I think are really really useful. The first was never just do one thing, which, you know, especially in food the pay isn't high, so usually you have to have more than one job, but I would strongly strongly advocate anyone who's interested in working in the food industry never just do one job. You know, if you want to work at a restaurant at night, awesome. Work at a farmer's market on the weekends and uh, see if you can, you know, freelance for, for someone else in the mornings. That I think will really help you find out quickly what you like, whether you prefer, you know, front of the house uh, hospitality or back of the house production. The schedule is like a huge thing in the food industry. You know, if you're working at a restaurant, you're working right now, I work, you know, noon to 10 or 11 every day. If you want to work at a bakery, you're going to be working, you know, 4 a.m. to 10 or noon every day for those entry level jobs. So you really need to think about kind of what lifestyle you is works for you. And then I would just try out a bunch of stuff and see what you like best. And then the other piece of advice was to get published, which has been very, very useful. You know, there's so many food publications out there and blogs that people read and tons and tons of, you know, as the print industry is kind of diminishing, the food print industry is not. So there's tons of outlets. I would constantly, constantly pitch ideas and Right when I got out of school, I, I made that a goal. Um, and I've always been able to refer to these published writing samples I've had in any job I've applied for. And it's been extremely helpful just because then you have a voice and you have something that a potential employer can look at and kind of see where you're coming from. So I would say, yeah, those two things are yeah. a good start. I like one of the things you said earlier about determining what kind of lifestyle you want to have and how that fits into it. Because I think a lot of times we, we approach it opposite of, I found a job that I like and there's parts of it I may like, but then just the, the lifestyle or the environment or the place I got to work, 
I hate yeah. and therefore it leads me to, to hate the job, you know, and I was talking with someone earlier on, on a different interview and they were saying, you know, I've always been interested in this one niche thing, but I started with a big corporation and kind of worked in the right. cubicle and then I switched to working with a smaller company and like a little ad agency and then I went to a small tech startup and then I started doing my own thing and just kind of that thing of like, I'll get to try a few different types. It's always in the same space, the same niche, but I got to try a few different settings to figure out what works for me. And exactly. some, some people, they want to, like you said, some people, they want to work the late nights and some people want to work the early mornings and some people, they want to work with a bunch of people and some people are like, no, 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 I'm totally cool to work by myself all day, every day. And so just kind of figuring out for yourself, like what's the setting, what's the environment that I want to be a part of? And then figuring out uh, again, how does, how does this niche, the skill set that I have fit into the setting that I want to be a part of? Exactly. And I think too, you know, with like any industry, you're probably going to have to compromise something, whether it's the number of hours that you work or the amount of money that you're paid or whatever. So just decide what's acceptable for you. And, you know, if you try something and it, and it doesn't work, it's okay. Like it's not the be all end all. There is another job. Sometimes it feels like there is no other job, but, but there, there is. And, you know, I was recently in New York and thought I would be there for the next couple of years and and now I'm not and I now I have a a really great job and it's okay you know if you'd asked me last year could you imagine that you'd be leaving New York I would have been like no that's totally crazy so you just have to be especially when you're young and trying things out really really receptive and and open to the fact that things may change year to year and that's fine. Yeah. I like the way you put that, but you, at the same time, you make it sound like really easy going of, you know, if you don't <laughs> like a job, you know, just change jobs. And I thought I'd be in New York and now I'm not. Uh, and I think a lot of times, realistically, we just put so much, and I, I think what you're describing is accurate. And I think really that's the way it is. If you don't like it, switch, you know, it's yeah. not that difficult, but I think we put so much pressure on needing to like have this like massive plan mapped out and know exactly what the next 20 years of life look like. So how is it, do you think for yourself that you've managed to just kind of take some of the pressure off and feel like, well, I'm going to try this and I don't like this and I'll try something different. And it's not the end all be all. Yeah. I mean, I think to be totally honest, some of it was definitely forced. I had no choice. So like either, you know, a lot of the jobs when I was first starting out, they just, I, I couldn't sustain, you know, my life and pay my rent if I kept doing that job. So I was like, all right, got to, got to reevaluate. Last year at the end of the summer, I was laid off for my job. So I was like, okay, got to switch gears. So stuff like that happens a lot in the food industry. There's tons and tons of turnover, unfortunately, because of, you know, what's acceptable and just there aren't a ton of standards for working in especially the restaurant industry. So so sometimes you're kind of forced into it, which I think is really good, actually, because it makes you, you know, make decisions quickly and, and just kind of plow ahead. But it can be really easy, you know, when things like that have happened, of course, I'm like, oh my God, this is the worst thing ever, right. you know? Right. <laughs> and there's so, many, there's so many people I've interviewed and talked to who would say the same thing, like when life kind of like forced my hand, uh, yeah. either I got laid off or I got fired or I got downsized or I got pregnant or something happened where it's like, oh my gosh, I really have to reevaluate, you yeah. know, what I'm doing today and how this lines up or doesn't line up with the kind of life that I want to have long term. Right. 
Yeah. So. Really, it just yeah it forces that action upon you versus it's when you get comfortable, it's just really easy to stay comfortable. Yes. And so sometimes either life throwing you the curveball or you forcing the curveball on yourself of going, I, I got I to gotta shift gears. I got to do something different. But it sounds like life handed you that opportunity. And, and like you even described, in the moment, you're just like, oh my gosh, yeah. I'm going to die. What's going to happen? But then yeah. looking back, you're, there's so many people I've talked to who would say getting fired, getting laid off, having this massive life catastrophe at the moment. Today, I look at it and it's like, that's the greatest thing that could have happened to me. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. And I think too, you know, you can set timelines for yourself. Um, so the food industry is very fast paced. You know, if you're at a company for two years, that's a, that's a long time, which can be great. But just setting a timeline for yourself, you know, okay, I've been here for a year and a half, two years. How's it going? How do I move up in this with these people or how do I need to move on? So just being vigilant with yourself and like constantly, you know, resetting your goals. It's fine to have a goal and a plan because then you can deviate from that plan and from that goal. So I think just like constant reevaluation of what you need to do to, to move forward. Right. So you're, you're bouncing around, you're trying a few different things. You're starting to kind of hone in on, all right, this is what I like. This is what I'm into. This is what I'm good at. How does the cheese thing come into play? When did you start? Is this just like a weird fascination or is this something where (laughs) you started working on it and it clicked or how'd that play out? Well, I, so I kind of came into cheese through a different route. So I moved to New York. Well, let's see. I graduated college, ended up working at my college. It was 2009, and it was there were not a lot of jobs. So I petitioned my college to create a job and then to hire me to do it. That is, okay, hang on, hang on. Which is crazy. You convince someone to create a job, and then you convince them to hire you. All right, tell us more about that. That's awesome. So, so in a class that was all about the sustainability goals for the campus, and I had this very uh, progressive, awesome professor who, you know, you'd pitch her an idea, and she'd be like, yes, best idea ever, do it. So I kind of thought of this hole that I thought was at the university, which was that they weren't getting a lot of new students really aware of all the things that were happening on campus. You know, we had a farmer's market, uh, a high percentage of the produce that we brought in was local produce. We had all these initiatives going on that I didn't even really know existed till like my junior year, I think. So I was like, that's kind of funny. You know, why don't we get freshmen in on this? So I wrote this proposal, sent it to, to the director of sustainability and the director of recycling and, you know, all these different people on campus. And of course they were like, no, we're not going to do that. We don't have money for this. Who are you? First of all. (laughs) And then I just edited the proposal with the help of my professor and then just resent it once a week, every week for the whole summer after I graduated. Once a week, every week for the whole summer, you're sending this, (laughs) some variation or iteration of the same proposal. And I think they were so annoyed. They were like, all right, all right, all right. We'll give you the academic school year to do it. And um, my boss at the time had just come back from maternity leave. So they had this very small budget that they had, you know, like a little pocket that they happened to have. So I was like, great, cool. (laughs) So I did that for a year, which was really wonderful because I was at this, you know, institution where I was surrounded by all these different departments and, you know, older people that I could learn from, but also challenging just that it was a totally new job that, that hadn't been done. So kind of navigating that. But then also while I was doing that, I wrote a column for food in the local newspaper. I worked at two farmer's markets for a couple people. And I think 
there might have been something else in there that I'm blanking on now. But <laughs> but you're just trying again. You're just trying a bunch of I'm different just trying things. Trying stuff. Yeah. And even, I was like, even where the opportunity doesn't exist of saying you know <laughs> in a borderline stalker way like no no you should <laughs> I want to do this and so rather than just looking around saying oh it doesn't exist so I guess that's not an option figuring yeah. out how do I create that option for myself. I- Exactly. And I figured, you know, this one professor thinks it's a good idea too. So I'm not totally insane. So as long as I have that one person on my team, then we can just kind of, you know, poke people until they uh, say it's all right. <laughs> which, yeah. which actually I think has been kind of like a theme of my <laughs> career so far. Hara- now that I'm like, harass back. people to get what I want <laughs> until I get what I want. <laughs> nice. So, yeah. no, and I think there's, you know, I think there's absolutely a lesson there of just, pure like I think one thing that stands out for you is you're just you're just a hustler you know it's not like I'm going to sit back and wait for opportunity to arrive like I'm going to go I'm going to go create it I'm going to make it happen and I'll do whatever I need to do you know I'll 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 send that email once a week and until until I can make that happen where does that drive come from like how is that is that something that other students or other people that are listening can like recreate for themselves how do you make that work yeah, I mean, I think I I mentioned earlier I'm I'm a dancer and I studied classical ballet when I was, you know, forever for like 15 years and it was it's it was a very harsh environment where you're told a lot you know you're not doing a good job at this or you need to fix this so so I kind of don't have a problem with that um, if someone says no I'm like okay cool I'll just like do it until you say yes um, <laughs> so I think that's a a really kind of important lesson to learn when you're young or you know things you might not get what you want, or even if you're the best, it might not work out. And that's okay, because the next time you might be the the best, or the time after that, you might be the best. So I think that's a really simple, but like life lesson that, that a lot of people learn a little bit later on, like maybe, you know, they don't get into their first choice college, or they get fired from their first job after they graduate or something like that. But it sounds a little depressing. I don't mean it to sound depressing. But I think if you can kind of get over that quickly and just shake it off, then it's much easier for you to just, you know, keep forging ahead. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it seems like just kind of battling, like building up that, that, but just being able to, to go with that and being okay with it. Yeah, yeah. Nice. When do you start working with cheese and, and how does that eventually lead to becoming a, a official cheesemonger? Oh, yes. Okay, so I worked at my college, then I worked on a farm for a little bit, then I moved to New York and I helped to open a coffee shop. And right down the street from the coffee shop was this wonderful cheese shop. And um, I knew the owner's husband a little bit. He had helped me. He also works in food and had helped me when I first moved to the city. And then um, my boss at the coffee shop was a buddy of hers. So she used to come in a lot and we would be talking and she actually had, has a podcast radio show thing Mm -hmm. about cheese. Um, And it's on this online network called Heritage Radio that's all food and farming and policy programming. And she just needed someone to help her with the show, you know, help her book guests and write interviews and stuff. And I had a little bit of writing experience. So I was like, oh, I'll do this and and I'll do it for free, (laughs) which which is another thing. You have to work for free a lot. So I started doing that, and then um, it was right around the time. It was kind of good timing for me. It was right around the time that her company was starting to do a lot more wholesale business, selling cheese to restaurants, and they had just gotten a new space. So, you know, I would be there helping at radio, and then it'd be like, oh, could you also spend a couple hours this week working on this assignment, and we need a... 
we have a, this marketing event coming up. Could you write a little thing for this? And so I kept adding more and more stuff. And my dad, who's actually a headhunter, always tells me, you know, you have to make yourself indispensable. So I kind of just got to the point where it was like, oh, this thing happens? Well, Sophie does that. And then I just got like 20 more of those things. <laughs> and then they were <laughs> like, oh, we need you to work here. <laughs> yeah. So it, it took some time. You know, it took a couple months, but... But at the end of it, I had had a job. But it sounds like like with this lady, kind of became a mentor, kind of just took you under her her wing, yeah, and just kind of helped, kind of show you, hey, here's some options, here's here's a path that you could take. Which I think, again, I, I think this is a theme we've talked about. We talk about a lot in the show that there's a lot of people we talk to that are going, I don't really know what I want to do until I see someone else doing it, and then they can kind of they can kind of hold my hand and, and, and work with me and, and show me here's the steps that you need to take. You don't have to recreate the wheel or reinvent this whole process where this path already exists. Like here's some things that you can do. And if you want, if that's, if that's the end goal, if this is what you want to become, then here's some things that you can be doing today to start making traction towards moving towards that. Exactly. And she was, she's a wonderful woman and Saxelby. If anybody's interested in food, you should look her up. She's a, a powerhouse, but do you want to go to this event or would you like to grab a coffee here or, and just, you know, always say yes. <laughs> I'm, yeah. you know, I'm always available. I would love to go to that. You know, I'd love to meet that person or just ask, you know, I, I saw that you just did an interview with this guy. You know, I love his book. Do you think I could email him? Just like constant, constant contact and being really aggressive about that. And by aggressive, I don't mean, um, sending them an email every week. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Maybe not that intense, but just aggressive for yourself, you know, being really diligent about constantly trying to talk to people and meet new people and be in the right place at the right time, you know, being in the right place at the right time, Sometimes it just happens, but you can also make it happen. Yeah, so, so true. <laughs> well, very well said. Okay, so you're, you're working for this company for a few years. You create this indispensable role for yourself. Uh, what what kind of happens from there? So basically from there, so I was with them for about three years. Um, we grew this wholesale program, and I kind of did all their marketing and events. And, you know, all the meanwhile, I'm learning about all the cheese because that's that's what we do. That's what we sell. And then I had this really wonderful, surprising moment where I got an award last June from Zagat, which is like a restaurant rating yeah. guy. Yeah. And they basically put together a list of people. It's like 30 people under 30 years old, you know, that they think are doing something cool in the food industry. And I had no idea I was going to get it. Um, it was a really lucky thing. This chef that I was selling cheese to thought of me as like, you know, trying to think of people he knew under 30. Um, and then I ended up getting it. So that kind of, now is that just for New York or is that for the whole country? They do it, I think they do it for a couple cities. This was just for New York. I believe they do it in maybe LA and Chicago, but still, I mean, nothing um, small. I mean, you're talking millions and millions of people, and yeah. a, you know, literally, even in that space, under thirty, but within the food industry, there's tens of, if not hundreds of thousands of people to choose from. So, yeah, to get something like that has got to be like a game changer for you. It it changed a lot. Yeah, it really, really did, and it just felt so nice because I, you know, I'd been working a lot of hours 
for for a while after college and I just to understand that someone else was seeing that was such a such a gift for me so you know yeah. I, I think that's a great example and just kind of a great lesson from your story where you're doing all of this hustling and busting your butt in all these different ways and connecting and networking with people and not like you're chasing the award like if I can get that award that this justifies everything but that other people recognize that and do what they can to get you the award. It's got to feel like a very great, just rewarding feeling like all this work and sweat and energy I've been pouring into everything I've been doing to just kind of build my network and make this thing happen. Like this just justifies it all. And and it, it validates me in some ways. I was like, so floored. I still am like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe that happened. Yeah. It was very, very exciting. So you win that award. Does that start opening doors for you or what what does that lead to? Well, yes, it was very interesting. So (laughs) after I got that, the radio WTOP news station in DC where I'm from called and they did a cool interview thing that I guess they played on the air, you know, like a day or two after, which was really great. Then Three weeks later, I think it was, maybe even less time than that, I got laid off from my job. <laughs> oh, way. You go from the highest of highs. You just won the Zagat 30 under 30. And now what we have for you is a walking slip. That's insane. Okay, so what's what's happening in your head then? Yeah, so I was like, wow, you know, like this is... And also in New York, there's this like... A big issue of bed bugs invading people's apartments. Yummy. And in the same week that happened at work, I got bed bugs in my apartment. So I was like, <laughs> I don't know if I believe in signs, but I think I should just, I think I should go, you know? My, my, Life hates my, me right now. <laughs> my home is a mess. Work is no more. And actually I had just started an apprenticeship at a, so basically I'm, which we can talk about later, I'm hoping to move towards working in pastry. So I had just started on the weekends doing an apprenticeship in a kitchen in a bakery. And I had gone for like two days, and then I got a call from the owner of the shop that the pastry chef was no longer working at that restaurant. This all happened like in the same week. My job, my internship, and my apartment. <laughs> Don't forget those bed bugs. And, and the, Yeah. So I was like... I think, you know, this is one of those moments where you just have to be like, okay, this is happening. And I think too, in New York, it's easy to do that because it's so expensive. So, you know, if you don't have work, you maybe got, you know, a couple weeks under your belt of, of wiggle room. If that, yeah. Yeah. I have this cousin through marriage who owns a restaurant with her husband, who's French, in the Berkshire Mountains, about two hours north of New York City. Um, And I'd heard about it. I'd never been. I'd never met her. And I just called her. And I was like, this is what I want to do. I want to learn about pastry. You know everything. I've heard your place is great. Is there any way I could just come and I'll do whatever you want for free for like a month? And she said, yeah, of course, you know, come on, come on up. It's totally fine. So I spent, I ended up staying there for three months. This was last fall. And I kind of just, you know, I felt like I was chilling out. I was still working like 40 hours a week at the restaurant. And then on my days off, I worked at this cheese shop at the town over. But um, I was in the these beautiful mountains and it was all new people, much slower pace. And I was you know, the whole day, it was just for me. It was like for me to learn. And I was going there on my own volition every day. And they were extremely generous and and friendly towards me. So I did that. And 
then while I was doing that, I got a call totally randomly from this guy in D.C. who said, you know, I met someone who knows you and I'm opening this restaurant that's cheese focused and I think you should come work for me. And I was like, who are you? <laughs> you know, <laughs> Sounds know. a little sketchy. Sounds weird. <laughs> so I went to D.C., met with them, ended up really liking them. And that's pretty much how I got my job that I have now, um, which I just started a couple months ago. Nice. So, yeah. So, so, and even now, you're doing the cheese thing, but in the back of your mind, you're also like looking down the road and intrigued by the, the pastry stuff and possibly making a shift that direction too. Yeah, absolutely. So right now I'm basically head of, you know, all the food that happens at this restaurant in the, for the evening hours. So I have a lot of freedom and to me, I I kind of approach cheese like pastry, you know, it's typically eaten on its own at the end of the meal. um, And we make all these cool condiments and pickles and jams and candies to go with all the cheeses that we, that we bring in. So I'm able to do work on a lot of the skills that I hope to that I was hoping to get by working in a kitchen in this job, which is really, really valuable to me. And also, you know, still work with cheese and I, I still do this podcast about cheese with some some people still in New York. So I still feel, you know, connected to all that I built there, which was really important to me. But I'm also able to like work on all these skills that I was hoping to do yeah. this year. Let's wrap up with this. What would you say to someone who, you know, maybe was where you were a couple years ago and going, all right, I have an idea of kind of what I want to do. I'm not really sure how it translates into a career. I want to do something maybe with food or maybe something totally unrelated. But how do I, how do I just kind of begin to hone in and make something happen that I know that I, I feel like I was put on the planet to do? Yeah, I would say there are some good resources out there now. One, which I'll, I'll plug, and I actually do some freelance work for them, is um, Good Food Jobs. is an awesome website that started a couple years ago, and it's tons and tons of listings all over the country of jobs, all sorts of jobs in the food industry, not just restaurant jobs. And then the other thing would just be to... I think be be resilient and be aggressive. You know, I'm not a very aggressive, you know, my personality is not very aggressive. I'm kind of more shy and soft-spoken, but when it comes to getting work, I'm I'm pretty good at that because um, I'm comfortable contacting people, you know, meeting up with people wherever they are, agreeing to do unpaid work for a small amount of time or bartering, you know, different things to, to get what I need done. Even right now with my job at the restaurant, I still freelance for two other companies. Yeah. Um, so if you want to go for it, like really do it, don't do it halfway. Cause you know, most people that are working in food are doing it because they love it and they love food. So it is a lot of work, but, but if it's work you love, then, then you, you don't mind doing it, you know, 12 yeah. hours a day. Um, yeah, absolutely. Well, I love what you yeah. said there of just being resilient and being aggressive. You know, that's yeah. a great balance there. And I think another thing that you've done really well is just being flexible. You know, the yeah. multiple times where maybe things just aren't going the way I planned and I'm going from the top of the world to what feels like life is falling apart. And just be, <laughs> again, like you said, being resilient, going like, ah, man, this sucks. But all right, we'll just deal with it and let's uh, let's roll with the punches and see what happens next. Yeah, yeah, and build your own network. You know, when the Zagat thing happened and then I got laid off, I was like, well, shoot. But at least now, after working in New York for a couple of years, I have this basket of like the safety net of all these contacts. Yeah. And so I talked to all of them and they all helped me. And that will happen for you if you start building it 
you know, immediately. Awesome. Yeah. Great stuff. Great lessons. And I uh, really appreciate you uh, taking the time to share your story and your, your journey with us. So yeah, thank where, you so much. If people wanted to learn more about you or pick your brain on all things cheese, where could we find you at? I would listen to Cutting the Curd it is a show on the Heritage nice. Radio Network. And I'm on Twitter, but I'm not very good at it. But my, my Twitter is um, Sophie Sluss first four letters of my last name. Cool. And we can link to both of those in the show notes there so people can check those out if they would like. All right, I'm going to put you on the spot here. If someone's intrigued by trying some new types of cheeses, give us two or three recommendations of something that's going to expand our taste buds. Okay, cool. So right now we're in spring, so there's a bunch of really awesome creamy goat and sheep's milk cheeses just coming back into season. So I would get anything that the Vermont Butter and Cheese Company makes. All right. My two favorites from them are called the Cremant and the Coupole. Those are these really beautiful small format cheeses. Let's see what else. There is a great producer in upstate New York called Meadowood Farms that makes some really awesome sheep milk cheeses that are washed rinds, so they're a little stinkier. So if you can find those, those are great too. And then if, if what you can else? if you can tolerate the stink. Yeah, exactly. Beautiful. Like a cold beer. Nice. All right. Well, we'll, again, we'll try to link up with those in the show notes as well. So if someone wants to go on and they want to go on their own little cheese bonanza of just uh, plowing (laughs) through a bunch during the weekend, then uh, that's that's the place to go. So Sophie, again, thank you so much for the time. Appreciate you taking it and hanging out with us. And we'll, uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks so much. All right, there you have it. Nice little uh, chat conversation with Sophie Schlesinger. Hope you enjoyed that. Hopefully, you uh, you learned a couple things, and uh, hopefully, you were just challenged and inspired again. How not only she was able to overcome some just different uh, lows of her career, but also how she was able to just not only continually like pivot and shift and figure out what she wanted to do, but like how I will keep drilling this in, but how. She she figured out how to actually make it happen. So I hope you came away inspired and encouraged by that. Whatever it is that you're chewing on, maybe maybe you want to do something related to food, and but you're still not quite sure what it is. Take some of Sophie's advice there and just maybe find someone that you uh, you can apprentice under, someone that you can just learn from just to soak up. Because really, once you dive in, you're really able to figure out, these are some things that I'm good at. This is some things that, I, that resonate with me, some things that click. Here's some other things that I thought I would like, but I got into it and I tried it. It wasn't for me. And that's fine. You got to be able to try a few different things, though, to really start to hone in on what it is that you want to do. Hey, I know I've mentioned it to you a few times uh, lately, but with the launch of this podcast, we want to help promote this and get this to as many people as possible. We want to be able to to hopefully invade as many ears as possible and be able to just share some of these interviews and these stories with people and hopefully inspire others to figure out what it is that, that they want to do with life. So one of the things we're doing right now is we're running a contest. You can find all the details at grantbaldwin.com slash contest. Again, that's grantbaldwin.com slash contest. And here's what we're asking you to do. We're asking you to do three things. One, we want you to uh, go to iTunes and you can subscribe to the podcast. If you go within iTunes, you search for how did you get into that podcast, you should be able to find it. Hit the subscribe button over on the left column. Uh, that'll download all the episodes for you. The second thing that we want you to do is make sure that you would leave us a rating and review. So within iTunes, you've got that rating and review button towards the top there. If you would just leave us an honest rating and review, what you think of the show, uh, who some of your favorite interviews have been so far, any type of feedback like that, it not only it helps 
me and just knowing that, that it's helping you, but also it helps other people who may be, you know, coming stumbling across the podcast, someone that may have just browsed through and, and seen it and are just interested in more about it. So hearing some other people's feedback really, really helps. Uh, and then the last thing, number three, is uh, if you would, within the grantbaldwin.com slash contest page, at the bottom of the page, there's going to be a box where you can put in just your email address. And I promise we won't stalk you or anything like that. We just want to keep you up to date on the show, uh, let you know of any interviews that we have going on, just some new, exciting information, the things that are happening. Plus, since we're doing this contest, we're giving away a bunch of different stuff and we're going to do a drawing. Uh, You can find all the details again at grantbaldwin.com slash contest. If you win, we want to be able to contact you. We got to let you know that you won and we can send you some stuff. So make sure that you stop by again, grantbaldwin.com slash contest. Hey, thank you so much for uh, taking the time to listen. If you've listened to this point, I know you're legit. You're too legit to quit. That's why you haven't quit and, and uh, you continue to, to listen on. Hey, uh, really honored and stoked that you decided to uh, to hang out with us and uh, really, really enjoying sharing these stories and journeys with you. Got a lot more, a lot of really, really great interviews that are coming at you in the coming weeks and months. So, uh Stay with us, hang tight, and uh, enjoy the journey. Hopefully, you're enjoying your own journey. If there, again, if there's anything we can do to help you or support you as you figure out what it is that you were put on this planet to do, please, please, please don't ever hesitate to let me know. You can find me on Twitter at Grant Baldwin, Grant Baldwin, G-R-A-N-T, Baldwin, B-A-L-D-W-I-N, or email me anytime. I love getting emails. Happy to respond to every single email, grant at grantbaldwin.com. So, Again, check out all the uh, the details for the contest at uh, grantbaldwin.com slash contest. And then all the show notes from today with Sophie, you can find at grantbaldwin.com slash Sophie Schlesinger. All right? That's plenty of links for you. All right? Hey, thanks again for taking the time to, t- to check this out. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the How Did You Get Into That podcast with Grant Baldwin. Don't forget to visit grantbaldwin.com for all the show notes and links discussed in today's episode. We'll see you next time.